now. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. And we need him now. For some reason, the cool bars in Hollywood have to be hard to find and have to have no sign. This is the Cocktail Nation. Gary Wells returns this week with something very interesting. Once upon a time in Hollywood, the book. I've got a rant about a website that I think has lost its way. Asking the question this week, how good is your memory? Could you remember your wardrobe or the length of your hair from 20 years ago? That and a whole lot more right here on The Cocktail Nation as we kick off with Jet Set Sweden.
This is the Cocktail Nation. Sound Unlimited and something comes crawling. It's Coop Cooper with you, lounge leader, official website, cocktailation.net, if you'd like to see what's going on in the Sydney penthouse. And of course, you can keep up with me with the socials as well. Links there. I came across something rather interesting on a, uh, a syndicated radio Facebook group just the other day. Now, of course, the show is syndicated to many different radio stations around the world. And there was a guy there who's um, a radio professional and he was advising syndicated radio stations not to, well, probably, I suppose, to be a bit more careful about what sort of shows they take and, and not to take oldies shows. And it's very interesting because um, as a person who's spent uh, a lot of time around uh, commercial radio, working uh, in various uh, cities across the country, it is true that when radio programmers program music, they tend to focus on when somebody was 15 years old because they feel that that's the time that they form their their, their musical tastes. Uh, interestingly for me, at 15, it was 1950s rock and roll. 
not the 1980s, uh, mid-1980s as it should be. And and look, I, I totally get why in the commercial world you would use that research to program a radio station. And, and I totally get it. Yes, it makes sense. But for many radio stations, and this is the thing, they, they are wide and varied and all different styles. And certainly the Cocktonation is on several jazz radio stations, uh, it's on some college radio stations, a whole bunch of different types of radio stations. Uh, for, for this particular gentleman to advise people to not take shows because they focus on music from the past, which of course he says uh, music from the 50s and 60s, most of the people that listen to that music are all dead, is actually untrue because of the different types of radio stations that exist. Now for commercial radio stations, I totally get it, he is right. But not every radio station is exactly the same. I thought it was rather interesting. Let's check in with Mr. Gary Wells now. Cocktail Nation. Words with Wellsy. You're a librarian, Mr. Wordsworth. You're a dealer in books and two-cent fines and pamphlets and closed stacks and the musty insides of a language factory. Words, Mr. Wordsworth. We need to warn people. And for the first time in 10 years, Rick realizes how fortunate he is and was. All the wonderful actors he's worked with, all the affairs he had, all the interesting people he got to work with, all the places he got to visit, all the fun stories he got to live, all the fuss people made over him. He looks around at the fabulous house he owns, paid for by doing what he used to do for free when he was a little boy, pretending to be a cowboy. Hey gang, I'm Gary Wells from SoulRideBlog.com and I'm here with this month's book recommendation for the Cocktail Nation. This time we're looking at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino from 2021. In this, his first novel, Quentin Tarantino offers his tale of the sun setting on old Hollywood in 1969. His story is about two men, actor Rick Dalton and his stuntman and best friend Cliff Booth, who are of the old school and have to begin to face the changes that are taking place in the film industry. Tarantino's story is an homage to the players and the films that flew under the radar through the middle 60s and well into the 70s. It is his love letter to the city of Los Angeles, but mostly it celebrates the men and women who found themselves outside of the mainstream, and Quentin is giving them their due by informing his vast audience of their existence and of their accomplishments. QT gives us a story of how Rick met Cliff, and it is yet another example of the device Tarantino uses throughout his story. He will take a real film and insert his characters into that film's narrative. Tarantino reports that Cliff's heroic escape from a Japanese POW camp in the Philippine jungle served as the inspiration for the real-life film Battle of the Coral Sea, a film coincidentally Rick had appeared in before the two had even met. I found the cliff of the book different from the cliff of the film. Book Cliff is a real rough character, not just tough, but rough. He talks like a reprobate and seems more amoral than Movie Cliff, who is much more chill and cerebral. But Quentin obviously loves Cliff Booth. He is presented as a man's man and a chick magnet. And while Cliff is a war hero, Rick, on the other hand, would have spent months jumping off kitchen chairs to get flat feet if he thought it would keep him out of the army. Cliff may like Akira Kurosawa, but Rick is old Hollywood to the bone. Book Rick's alcoholism is more on display than is movie Rick's. 
Tarantino, though, gifts Rick and us with a feeling of satisfaction by the story's end, a realization that he's had a pretty good career. The story of the novel is the story of the film, but with much more, and much less. The film version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood dealt with this other Hollywood, but also concerns itself with cleansing history by neutering and altering the crimes of a madman. Well, in his book, QT further diminishes Manson's atrocities by just glossing over the events that wrap up his film. Murder is the big finale of the movie. The book concerns itself with other matters. A quarter of the way into the book, Quentin spends less than two pages talking about a home invasion that Rick and Cliff extinguished in spectacular fashion. Interestingly, QT turns history on its head. The ghastly night of violence was indeed heavy with symbolic weight, but that symbolism was in how old-school values quelled the surge of the youthful, unwashed masses. The Lancer episode of the film was at first the hardest part for me to get through, but I have since come to appreciate it more. This part in the book fascinated me. What I think QT has done is something unique. He has presented his perception of the Western television show and its characters. He has been afforded a rare opportunity. Where else could you present a rewritten version of a TV episode you've always loved? In his book, Tarantino basically rewrites the Lancer pilot script, adding scenes and other touches. I can imagine that this would have been fun and likely many of us would like to do the same with some of our old favorite episodes and TV series. Other nuggets from the book. QT shares my feeling that Donald Hamilton's excellent Matt Helm novels were unfortunately altered for Dean Martin's portrayal of the character. Sharon Tate is described as a wonderful person, down to earth and frustrated with regularly having to transform herself into sexy little me for parties. James Stacy is said to have an edge, like one day maybe he'll go to jail kinda edge. This would later happen to Stacy in real life. They say write what you know, and Quentin Tarantino has done that in spades, and he's done it in the second person or present tense style that I love. Smiling as she crosses the street, she stops in front of the drawing of herself on the film's poster. When you come right down to it, Tarantino has done a remarkable thing with his book. With the film, he played with history and introduced his fictional characters into the story. With the novel, he amplifies this technique, taking historical facts and adding what he thinks and the impression he's gotten from the people he's worked with. He even goes so far as to insert himself and his stepfather into the action. That particular part of the book I struggled with until it dawned on me what he was doing. I looked up his stepfather's name and sure enough. Which brings up another thing. You might find yourself looking up a lot of the films and actors Quentin mentions to see if they are real and also to see if you can spot where he altered details and inserted his own pieces. As a companion to his Academy Award-winning film or taken simply on its own, the novel Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a great read and a fun trip back in time. Whatever your feelings on Quentin Tarantino are, if you're a fan of the films and television shows of the 1960s, you'll be satisfied by this book. Going deeper, if you're like me and are fascinated by tales of the other Hollywood that happened just outside the spotlight, you'll have a blast at the shindig Quentin throws. Also check out his hardcover deluxe version of the book that has additional content. So to wrap up, I can highly recommend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. You can find plenty of copies for sale at Abe Books. 
If you'd like to read the full review of this book, you can head over to my website. I'd like to thank Coop Cooper and Cocktail Nation. Once again, this is Gary Wells from SoulRideBlog.com, and I'm encouraging you to pick up a book. Words with Wellsay, Cocktail Nation.
Hello, baby. Cocktonation with Piero, Amlenani, and Lounge Suite. Also played Theodore Shapiro and Labour of Love, and some music from one of my favourite bands, the Martina Kings and Sweet Child of Mine. There is a uh, interesting website called The Vintage News, and I've been reading their stories for a long, long time, and it's interesting what, what I think has happened 
is they seem to have taken a, a bit of a different bent. Now, this is a magazine, an online magazine, that's, that's meant to appeal to those of us who are interested in old Hollywood, uh, you know, abandoned mansion stories, cars found in barns, and a bit of gossip from the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. And lately, they've, they've gone really, really woke. And I actually called them out on this particular Facebook page, and, and the guy that runs it, one of the, the writers, got very, very upset at me when I suggested that they were becoming a little bit political. And it's quite interesting because they, they're just not getting the, their, um, their crowd, I think. I looked at this guy's profile on the internet, and, and he's clearly somebody who's in his 20s. I don't know why they got this guy writing for them. For some strange reason, the Vintage News, and I know a lot of Cocktail Nation listeners actually read this, the Vintage News has absolutely lost its way. And they're actually starting to veer into the 1980s, in the 1970s, and, and even in the 1990s. Very, very strange. They've become very, very woke. They've completely lost their way. But the great thing is, I've got a little magazine called Lounge Life Magazine, and I know exactly what you're looking for. So you might like to check it out. It's very easy to get. It's a flipboard magazine. And if you head over to my website, cocktonation.net, we've got the links right there. And trust me, we will not be taking on any woke political type subjects at all. Just the type of stories you want to read. When will men in hats come back? What a great story. <laughs> and uh, We've also got uh, a story on what green regulations could mean for classics. And it's quite interesting as the world becomes more battery-centered, more EV-centered. What is this going to mean for classic cars? Will they still be on the road? If you spent ninety dollars to $100,000 on a car right now, is it going to be drivable in 5, 10, 15 years? Or have you literally flushed your money down the drain? What is going to happen? Anyway, you might like to check out that story and a whole lot more for Lounge Life magazine. On the cocktail nation, deep. There are thousands of Rubik's Cubes that have never been solved and never will be. Very deep cocktail nation.
did everything that was swank and cool and and you really belong in the mainstream in America. Has that suave get away with it. I have been a fan for a long time. Cocktail Nation via the World Wide Web. Cooper from the Cocktail Nation. Kiss your mother with that mouth. The Cocktail Nation.
Venetian Franceschi Santotucci and Tropicalia Chic also played Hugo Montenegro and The Silences. If you're looking for a cool shirt, I love Jack shirts, got lots of them, could always buy some more. Harddaddy.com, I've got some incredible shirts and very reasonable prices, so you might like to check that out. Uh, just popped up uh, in my Google searches recently, Hard Daddy, that's Hard Daddy, H-A-R-D-A-D-D-Y, Harddaddy.com. Richard Cheese now, and get the party started on the Cocktail Nation. So you better get this party started I'm coming up So you better get this party started Get this party started on a Saturday night Everybody's waiting for me to arrive Sending out the message to all of my friends We'll be looking swanky in my Mercedes Benz I. Coming up, so you better get this party started. I'm coming up, so you better get this party started. Get this party started. Pumping up the volume, breaking down to the beat. Cruising through the west side, we'll be checking the scene Boulevard is freaking, I'm coming up fast I'll be burning rubber, you'll be kissing my ass I'm coming up, so you better get this party started I'm coming up, so you better get this party started
Hey, this is Darren Long from the Tiki Delights, and you're listening to one of my new songs on the Cocktail Nation.
Cocktail Nation with Tiki Delights there. Twist of Lime and Tiki Aki Orchestra as well with Pearl Diver. Here's a question for you. How good is your memory? Can you remember what you were wearing, I don't know, say 20 years ago? Now, I don't keep in touch with any of the crowd that I used to hang around with in the rockabilly scene back in the 1990s, but a friend of mine, he keeps in touch with them and he tells me that I was tagged in a photo and uh, it's got a uh, a guy who's a, who was a great friend of mine growing up cutting somebody's hair, trimming, styling somebody's hair, obviously at some sort of festival, and he apparently tagged me in it. And my friend sent this to me. And I looked at the photo straight away and went, that's not me. He was like, well, so-and-so says it's you. I said, oh, I can tell you it's not, because I know that I didn't have that particular bowling shirt. I could see the back of a bowling shirt with a, a club thing on the back of it. And I could see that the hair of this individual, whilst the same colour as my hair, was down to his collar. And I've never had hair down to my collar, apart from when we had lockdowns in COVID. And I knew instantly, I, I could see what this person was seeing, but I absolutely knew it wasn't me. And it, it got me thinking. I can remember most outfits that I was wearing at the time. Probably had about, I don't know, maybe 20 shirts and jeans and all this stuff that, that I was wearing at the time. And I remember absolutely every little piece that I wore that I could, I could see this photo and go, no, that wasn't me. So I was thinking to myself, can you remember what you were wearing perhaps maybe 20 years ago? Do you reckon you kind of identify a photo just like it? Anyway, fascinating stuff. Certainly made me laugh, that's for sure. Here's Art Pepper now and Smack Up on the Cocktail Nation.
Dianne Sure and Southwind next week on the show Spy Vibe with Jason Whiten and speaking of spies from the TV show The Game this is Daniel Pemberton and Restaurant Undercover stay up <laughs> 